Go in your Bible with me this morning. I'm not going to sermonize you, but I want you to go to the book of Exodus chapter 25 again. I can't seem to get away from this area of Scripture. Been there, meditate on it, seem like constantly. and feel like the Lord has spoke a word for you this morning that I want to release in the house and I want to get right into it and see what God does. I believe God's up to something big. Not going to do, He's up to it right now. And I'm asking Him all the time, God, show yourself big. If we got a big God, He might as well show Himself big. No little things, He might as well show Himself able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever, ever ask or think. How many is expecting big things in your life? How, how many are asking for big things? See, those that don't expect on Wednesday night, our friend Steve will be here, one of our apostolic overseers. I want to encourage everybody in this house needs to be here Wednesday night. Now, we had a great encounter week, and everybody came, and if we're not careful, we'll go right back to our old routines and slip back when God is doing something great. But Steve always says this, those who expect nothing receive nothing. See, if you and I don't expect to see God big, we'll never receive big things from the Lord because our image of Him really depicts what we receive from Him. And if your God is like this, then you're just going to receive small things. But if you can see Him as a big God, able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think, I believe there are greater things in the wings than what you and I could ever, ever imagine or what we could ever realize that is here for us. I've had reports still coming of how God touched us during the, the encounter week. And wow, what a great time we had as we ended that, that specific series of meetings last Sunday. Matter of fact, one family was so touched, they were getting ready to move away. And uh, move away because of, I don't know if that's my phone going off or somebody's alarm. Uh, maybe somebody's telling me something. Sorry. Uh, I just didn't want it to be me. That's all. <laughs> It's all been. But, uh, <laughs> but one of our families was getting ready to shift away because of economics and because it would just make life so much easier for them. But they called me up and said, Pastor, we're seeing God do something. We're seeing God do something in our family. And we don't want to leave that. We believe that is more important for us to be here than it us for us to move away. So we're going to stay right here and be a part. Not only are we going to stay here, we want to be more involved in what God is doing. That's telling me God is up to something and God is doing. That's a wonderful, wonderful testimony. And I believe God is doing something. Now I'm going to speak to everybody in this room. I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to my wife on the front row, Pastor Val and Sherry that's sitting over here. To Adam, our youth director up here. To Roger, one of my board members back there. To everybody in this room. I believe God's word is for every one of us in this room. I truly, truly believe that. And I believe I've heard God say something to us as we have endeavored to press into what God is doing. And this is what I want to share with you this morning. God is saying, I want to reveal my glory. I didn't ask them for that particular song. They brought it up when I asked them to bring something up. But that's what God wants to do. God said, I want to reveal myself. I want to reveal my glory. It's always been His heart. It's always been His desire 
Tim, every one of us have a, have a different view of what glory is. Some of us, if you've been in church all of your life, you, you know glory is a cloud that we've heard that rolled in. It's gold dust. We've seen the, the different manifestations of God. We heard last week when Dr. Cody was here talking about the glory. I believe it was him that the word glory absolutely just means the weightiness of God. If you've ever come into his presence and the weight of God is just resting on your shoulders, it feels like it wants to take you to the floor. It, it's the glory of God. There's many, many different definitions and I believe translations and ideas of what glory is and I don't think any of them are wrong but this is what I really believe God is saying especially in this hour and using this particular passage of scripture I want to reveal myself in such a manner that there is no question there is no doubt that I am God and I am God alone I want to reveal myself I want to reveal myself. This passage that I'm going to lead you in in just a moment in Exodus 25. Well, let's just read that, Josh, and let me get that out of the way. And then we're going to kind of walk through the scripture. You're just going to have to just hang on. If you're making some notes, if you want to, fine. If you don't, just retain what I'm sharing with you. Exodus chapter 25, the Lord speaks to Moses. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall make my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold and silver and bronze. Blue and purple and scarlet thread. Fine linen and goat's hair. Ram skins dyed red. Badger skins and acacia wood. Oil for the light. Spices for the anointing oil. And for the sweet incense. Onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod. And in the breastplate. And let them. Look at verse 8. And let them. Make me a sanctuary. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all of its furnishings. So shall you make it. Israel's come out of Egypt 400 years of bondage and been under all kinds of idolatry and all kinds of false gods. And God comes to this place with them. And God said, I'm going to use you. God said, once and for all, I want to reveal myself as God that there is no other. You have to understand something. This just wasn't for Israel. This wasn't just for those Hebrews that he bought out of bondage. But this was for the whole known world at that moment of time because the land was full of every kind of God under the sun. All kinds of idolatry had been lifted up, much like it is, well, believe it or not, in our present day, just like it is right now. But I believe God is looking for somebody. I believe he's looking for a people. I believe he's looking for an individual that will make him a sanctuary, a sacred, holy, devoted place that he said, I can come and I can dwell. I don't want to just visit. I don't want you to have a little dab of do you. He said, I want to come and I want to infiltrate your life. I literally want to move in to everything that is yours. And I want to reveal myself through you in such a fashion that the whole world will know that I'm God. And God said, I want them to see me through you. 
That's the challenge of everybody. He said, make me a sanctuary. And he said, build it according to the pattern. You see, if God was looking for a building to put his glory in, he would have started that from the beginning. But God never put his glory in concrete walls and steel buildings. It shows up, but it never was called to remain there. Matter of fact, he didn't even put it in the garden in the beauty of creation. It declared his handiwork. It showed everything that he's about. But he put his glory in the thing that he called man. The one that he formed from the dust of the earth. Created him in his likeness and image. And then God breathed into him. And the glory of God filled him. And not only did it fill him. But the glory of God resonated out of him. And the whole world at that moment knew the glory of God by the man that God had made. God's always wanted to reveal himself. He's always wanted to show himself strong. He wants to do it through people. And he tells Moses, have the people bring me an offering. See, I want to lay out a pattern for you because if we're going to see the glory of God, we're going to see the weightiness of God, the fullness of God, we got to follow the pattern. And all that is, is in the Old Testament, is a pattern for you and I to look at. And that pattern is really Jesus when it really comes down to it. It's all about Jesus. But I believe there's some things in the pattern that you and I need to look at. We need to follow after. The first thing that he said, he said, Moses, have the people bring me an offering. Let those that are willing bring me an offering. Church, I want to say to Christ Church of the Heartland, it's time for us to quit wrestling against God. It's time for us to quit being stiff-necked and stubborn. Now, I know that we don't think we are, but we are probably more than what we realize. He said, let those that are willing bring me an offering. I thought, Lord, what is this offering? See, that's the connotation that most churches are the world's God of the church, that all the church wants to do is get my money. They want an offering for me for some reason. Well, it does take money to spread the gospel. It does do that. But I believe the Lord revealed something to me in this. First of all, God said, I want somebody that's just willing to say, God, I want everything you got. I'm willing to do it. And he said, bring me an offering. And at this moment, I don't think he's necessarily looking for the money he got in your pocket. Let me share with you what I believe it is. You remember before Israel ever went into bondage, God spoke to Abraham, I believe it was, and said, I'm going to take them in, but then I'm going to bring them out with gold and I'm going to bring them out with silver. And when they got ready to come out, Moses gave them an instruction. You go borrow from the Egyptians. They're slaves. They have nothing. They're broke. They're busted. They're disgusted. And they have nothing because they've been serving these other gods. And they said, borrow some of the wealth of the Egyptians. But the problem was they took what God had given them and they adorned themselves with it so that they looked like the Egyptians and they looked like the worship of the gods that the Egyptians serve. But here's what God was after. Here's the wealth. Bring me an offering that I can use. You know what your offering is? 
Your offering is your testimony. Your offering is, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once in bondage and I couldn't get out. I was once in a dark spot and God brought me light. I once was paralyzed, but God gave me life again. God said, I want you to give me your testimony. I want you to bring that valuable thing back to me and let me use your testimony. Let me use your wealth to reveal myself because through your testimony you will build me a sanctuary where I can come and dwell. See, it's easier for me to give a hundred dollars than it is for me to give my life. Hello? It's easier for you to give a big offering than it is for you to sacrifice. He's not after that. It's your life. It's what God done for you. If you think that wasn't a valuable thing, it cost him. It cost him life in order to bring you out. It cost him some of his creation in order for man at that moment to bring you out. It cost him his son. And it cost Jesus his life in order to give you life and that you could have it abundantly. Will somebody bring me your offering of what he did for me? Get rid of your stubbornness because this thing isn't about you anymore. Because God gave Moses this beautiful pattern of this tabernacle or basically a tent that would be established, made out of skins of animals. It was a tent because it was to be mobile. It was to never meant to be at one set place. If that's the case, we're all in trouble because we'd have to get up and head to Israel if you and I want to know the glory of God. It was never about the skin, but what he was showing us is this. He was showing us it's about the skin that you and I live in. I believe that's why he wanted some skins dyed red, and he wanted some skins this color. He wanted some skins that color, because there's not one person in this room, whether your skin be dark, whether your skin be white, whether your skin be yellow, whether it be red like mine is, it doesn't matter. God wants to feel his glory. He wants to place it in you for you to carry it everywhere you go. He said, build me a sanctuary. Follow the pattern. Follow the pattern. See, people are saying all the time, we, we, we need more miracles. Well, I believe that. But do you realize something? This is possibly true. That miracles doesn't always save anybody. Matter of fact, it's not what the Word said would save anybody as miracles. But they need to be seen because miracles put us in awe and wonder of God. The only thing that God ever intended to save a heart and a life was the preaching of His gospel. It was the word that would be spoke from my mouth in your mouth. It would be me telling them of what Jesus did for me and how He died upon the cross. That is what we have need of. I believe if there's anything that we need in a present day church... And church, you and I need to see it, is that God wants to reveal himself to the world. We, the church, have taken, we have taken on programs that are good programs, but we've become social programs. We've become more interested in just trying to meet needs than we are of revealing Jesus to the world. And I've got to say to us, our first and foremost primary purpose in life as believers and as a church is to be the light of the world so that the world will know that there's a God. We've gotten away from it. God's calling us back to it. You can stop for a few moments. I just don't want to wear you out and probably their ears out either, but you're doing good for me. 
I probably ought to put you in my ears and just let you play. That's what we could do. But we've got to realize that's what it's about. He said, build this place. There would be nothing built like it on the earth. That's why God said, follow my pattern. Because if you and I would build the way we want, it would be earthly. And it would have earthly connotation to it. And it would have earthly strength. But God revealed the heavens into the earth. He said, I want to do something that's so magnificent through you that they're going to know that you're in this world, but you're not of it. So God said to Moses, he said, make sure they follow the pattern. Now, I can't go verse by verse, word by word, so you're going to have to trust me and follow along because for the next almost 15 to 20 chapters is nothing but God giving Moses the instruction of how to plan or how to build the tabernacle. There were 40 verses that dealt with creation, but there are over 400 verses of the Bible that deal with the tabernacle. Now, that ought to tell us the importance of looking at the pattern of what we're to after because of what God established. The first thing that God did after he began to lay it out and say, bring the offering to me, this is what he began to say to him, guys, this is no longer about you. Your life will not be your own, but your life is going to be me. I believe if you and I want to walk in the glory, I wonder where the people are of this generation that are willing to die out to themselves and say, I'm willing to give it all for Jesus. I'm willing to be totally committed, 100% sold out that my life belongs to the Lord. I'm going to live for him. Here was the first instrument piece of furniture of the tabernacle. He didn't start with the outside of the tent, although he laid that out in what he wanted them to bring. But he didn't start from the outside. He started from the inside out and he began to work things and he started with himself the ark of the covenant that was the first piece of furniture that would be read about or be told about how it would lay out because that furniture would set that piece of furniture would set in the holy of holies it's the place that God said my glory is going to rest on it would be a box overladen with gold with angels wings is facing each other upon it and that would be there at the mercy seat where God would be the first thing that you and I have got to come to to realize in this hour this thing is all about God we've got to make it all about him he wants to be revealed too much I'm not saying it's wrong necessarily but much of the modern day church much of us it's all about us it's what I can get from him and if I can't get it from him the heck with him we're down the road I'm discouraged I won't have anything to do with him it's never been to be about us it's to be about him but when I make it about him then all of a sudden he becomes about us hello somebody he becomes about us that's why he said in the book of Matthew chapter 6 he said seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you I know what you have need of but I first want you to make it about me I want you to get enthralled with me I want you to get raving mad about me I want you to go nuts about me hello We need to get excited about Jesus again. We need to get excited about God again. 
Boy, that was a great service. We're bouncing off the wall. I want to tell you, America's going to be in a bad shape if our light shows go out and our, and, our, and our power goes off and we don't have any way to produce music but other than maybe a skin over a drum. I've been in Haiti, in Haiti and we've also been in Trinidad. And I'm telling you, some of the greatest worship services were up on that hill. Dine, you've been with me overlooking the ocean. They had taken a, an old crankshaft out of the motor. They had taken some drums off tires. They welded it together. And they had drumsticks or some metal sticks, and they sat there and they beat those things to make a drum and worship the Lord under. I'm telling you, those people knew how to worship. But if it got shut off around here, we're going to be in great trouble because our emphasis has been on what we do rather than our emphasis being upon Him and His glory and all of His goodness. Don't misunderstand. We've got great stuff. I believe we're trying to be as pure as we possibly can. Don't misunderstand. I'm not knocking our guys. That's not what I'm doing. And you guys don't take it that way either. I'm just saying God said this thing's got to become about me. The Ark of the Covenant was the first piece before anything was laid out, before anything began to be ordered. He said, you take care of this first. Here's the second piece. It was the table of showbread. It would set in the inner court. Before you go in, the table of showbread was a table that would be so square. I don't have all the dimensions. That's really not important at the moment. On that table would be set 12 loaves of bread. Each loaf representing the, would represent the tribes of Israel. Not only was it called the, the table of showbread, but here's another name for it. It is the table of faces. It is the table that reflects and reveals the face of God. It's the place of the word of God. Here's the thing that you and I have got to get back to valuing again. You and I have got to grab a value God. I want to see you face to face. I want a taste of all of your goodness. I want to know you as I have never known you before. Listen church, he's looking for somebody with that kind of passion that will go in for fresh manna every day. We've been living on the crumbs of yesterday long enough. I'm thankful for what they did back there. I'm thankful for Wigglesworth but I can't live on the crumbs of Wigglesworth I gotta have my fresh manna on the table but today I want to see him face to face was the table of showbread the table of showbread that place of the word listen I know there's bigger representations and I've got some real scholars in here when it comes to the tabernacle. So guys, if I don't get it all exactly, whatever, hermeneutical, theological, whatever all those words are right, don't throw me out. I, I'm just giving it to you as God gave me as I looked through this pattern. He began to show me the Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, and the next place was the lampstand. It was the golden lampstand that would burn, that the oil would be used for. That lampstand represents the Holy Spirit. Listen, guys, we need the fire and the light of the Holy Spirit again. We need Him burning. We need His wisdom. We need His understanding. We need His knowledge. What was that guy's name in the book of Exodus? Um, uh, Bezalel. That's him. Thank you. I can't get his name pronounced right. He's in Exodus 31. He was the guy. Think about this. 
I've got some real builders in here. Tom Keller knows how to build. I see Jay back there. There's some others that are real craftsmen. I know some of you have built your own homes, but you didn't go without anything. You, you drew that thing out. You spec that thing to the ump degree. I want you to think about something. Moses is up in the presence of God. He's up in the glory of God for 40 days. He doesn't have a piece of paper. He doesn't have a notebook. He doesn't have a smartphone. He doesn't have an iPad or a computer that he can take all the information. But God is downloading into him. He's downloading all the principles. I mean to the nth degree of everything of the tabernacle. Then Moses comes off the tabernacle. He comes off the mountain rather. And he comes down and he finds a guy that the Bible said. What was his name again? Bezalel. Yeah, that's it. Bezalel. He finds him. The Bible said he's very gifted, very crafted like every one of you are. And now he's got the responsibility of building because Moses only had a vision of it. Moses only carries the information of it. Moses only carries the depth of it. But now this cat has got to build it. And this is what the Bible said. It starts out, he's, God said, Moses, I've given you Bezalel. He is full of my spirit. I believe it's one of the first times that you'll see where the Holy Spirit is talked about in the Old Testament other than going back to Genesis 1, that he is filled with the spirit. Not only is he filled with the Holy Spirit, he's filled with wisdom. Not only is he filled with wisdom, he's filled with understanding. Not only is he filled with understanding, he's filled with knowledge. Not only is he filled with knowledge, he's filled with the resource to fulfill what I have called you to be. I'm telling you, church, we need to get back. You and I need to come to that spot. Holy Ghost, fill me again. God, I need your wisdom. I need your understanding. I need your knowledge for today. I got a coach sitting over here. Right after this service, we're going to go into class. And we're, we're having a great time in our class of leadership. She's teaching people all over the city and going to be around the nation and around the world. Probably no doubt in my mind. But I got news for you. I'm going to say it to you, Miss Adrian. I don't care how wonderful you are, how gifted, how much knowledge you feel. I need and you need the power of the Holy Ghost and all order to stand and be able to communicate and articulate and to be able to give an understanding of what God is doing in the hour. You and I can't do this without the Holy Ghost. Can't do it without Him. But a lot of churches in our nation, Pentecostal, Spirit-filled, holiness churches, have pushed Him aside and say, we're going to give you this much time. I don't think it takes all day for everything for God to do it. God can do it in a few minutes. But also don't think we ought to put him in the back room and say, if you want to visit with him, we'll take you back there so we don't offend somebody next to you. Listen, church, we're not trying to offend anybody, but God's going to offend you. Hello, he's going to let you know when you're not right. He's going to let you know when there's sin in your heart. He's going to let you know what's messed up. He's going to let you know. But he doesn't let you know to condemn you. He lets you know so he can fix you. Because if you don't know you're broken, you don't know that he can fix you. And God wants to fix your life. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. He took him to the lampstand. He said, this is the pattern. It's the Ark of the Covenant. 
Here we go to the, to the table of showbread. Then we went to the lampstand. And then we went to the outer structure of the tabernacle because this is what we're supposed to be. You and I got to realize as a tabernacle, we are going to house and carry the presence of God. You and I aren't just anybody. We're somebodies in God. We're his chosen royal priesthood that he has called forth. We are his ambassadors here in the earth. We are not of this world. We're in it, but not of it. And we're to be carriers. We're to be a housing. We're to be a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. This tabernacle is so important. Matter of fact, Paul said it like this. He said, don't you know? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Lord? I'm speaking to me. I'm speaking to everybody in this room. We let anything and everything in our temples. We take our temples anywhere and everywhere and then expect God's blessing to be upon it. It doesn't work that way. The temple was supposed to be sacred. It was supposed to be set apart. I'm not talking about going back to a form of we did of yesterday, of some of the things that we went through. But if you need to do that, I want to say that to you. If you need to do that, you better do that. It's kind of like somebody, I have to say it like this. Y'all know I've been on a special, my diet changed this past year. At the first of the year, I don't eat everything like I was eating. And I don't have to, and I, I did that for health reasons. Now, listen, everywhere I go, I want to get fed. People want to feed me. And I have to say, sorry, I can't eat that. It's not that if I eat something with some of the stuff that I've taken out of me that I'm going to fall, fall down and flop like a fish in the floor. Now, there might be a few things that would, like a pepper or something, but all that other stuff, all that other stuff, it won't kill me. But here's the deal. I know me. I know me that if I start cheating, the next day is going to be an easy day to cheat. And, oh, come on, somebody, don't look at me like that. I just know me enough. I'm better off to leave it alone now and not get the taste back so that in two days I'm at the donut shop, whether it's Krispy Kreme or Jackson, and I got a dozen for nobody but me. Oh, come on, somebody. So now when I go get grandkids a donut, I walk in. Man, they sure smell good. I look around. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I ain't been tempted. But I haven't ate one yet either. Because like I said, I know me. And I'm saying to you, you might know who you are. And I hope I don't live like this all my life because somewhere I'm going to eat me a donut again, somewhere. When I get enough strength and I sacrifice this flesh enough. But here's the deal. At the moment, if you need to be back, if you need to live like this, if you need to keep yourself, then you're better off to live that way than you are to live yourself cheating on the Lord and finding your vessel empty and you're drained out all the time. Just where we are. He said, you're the tabernacle. And when he went from that tabernacle, the next place he came to, he came to that place, he began to deal with the priest. Or let me back up to the tabernacle because right following the tabernacle was the altar, was the brazen altar that was in the beginning of when you entered the door. And the brazen altar was the place of sacrifice. It was the place of death. Listen, church, you and I need to come back to that place to realize that there's some things that we just need to die to. 
We need to die to our flesh. We need to die to some desires. We need to die to this world. We're in it, but not to live by it. This is, this is, this is part of life. Listen, church, as a believer, I know we don't want to hear this stuff no more, but Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you take up your cross and follow me, that somewhere you're going to have to learn to die again so that you can truly live the way that God wants us to live. Are you okay? Hello, you better come back to the keyboard. If y'all, you're still there. Just play it. I'll land this jet because they're looking like they're going to hurt me now. <clears throat> they get those looks. But we got not But that's what, he ain't even got to us yet. He's just dealing with the. But he said, you're going to, because you're not going to come in to the glory. That's the first place you got to stop. He's at the brazen altar if you're going to make it back to the holy of holies. You're going to have to learn what the sacrifice is again. You're going to have to learn how to die to some things. Paul said, Paul said it like this, I die daily. Paul said it like this, I buffet my body continuously. You and I don't think that this flesh can't creep up. You're greatly mistaken. I can be in here and pray and as soon as I walk out of here, my, my flesh jumps up again. And I got to constantly keep it before the Lord. I got to constantly keep it at the altar. I got to constantly say, God, forgive me. Lord, I lay my life a living sacrifice unto you. Then he comes to the priesthood. And when he came to the priesthood, go read, just go read the book. I don't have time to hit every verse and give you every chapter and every line, but it's all there. He began to say, this is what my priests are going to look like. There was a way you conduct yourself. There was a way the priest lived. There was, there was a way the priest dressed. They were to dress in fine linen, which represents righteousness. They weren't to live any old way and come in and out of the courts of God. It's been real easy for us to party on Friday and Saturday night, then walk into the holiness of God and expect God's glory to show up. It don't work that way. We're priests, and it's continuous, and you're hidden. It's not about us being seen. It's not about us being revealed. It's about Him. They were hidden behind the walls of that tent. I guess the only time the people would see Him is when they would bring their offering and the priest would be there to accept it or when they would see them to leave the tabernacle to take the ashes out to the, to the dump or to the ash heap and then they would have to go back and they'd have to clean and they'd have to put themselves in fresh clothes and go right back to the service of the Lord because they were hid in God. They were hid in the tabernacle. Church, that's where we're supposed to be. Hid in the Lord. That's the place. It's not about them seeing me. It's about them seeing Him. This is my life. This is how we live 24-7. This is the lifestyle of the priest. And the priest would have to understand the next piece of furniture was the altar of incense. The altar of incense. He would have to understand what prayer is. He would have to understand what worship is. The altar. Again, another place of sacrifice. Another place of devotion. Another place of, of laying it down. But we've got, we've got to know that. L listen, church. We've been riding way too long on somebody else praying for us. Somebody else sacrificing for us. It's kind of like as a pastor, I get asked to pray for people all the time. I don't mind praying. That's what we do. That's what we're called to. But if you ain't praying, why are you asking me? 
Hello? If you're not willing to pray about it, why are you asking us? Well, Pastor, I, you, 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 you pray better than I. How do you know I pray better than you? Sometimes I question how I pray. Is this getting anywhere? I'm just being real. Is this getting anywhere? God, is this going up? We got to learn to get back to prayer. We got to learn to get back to worship. God wants to feel my incense. He wants to smell my fragrance coming up. I love what these guys do. But we've been captivated too long letting somebody else do my worship for us. Come on, I just left the nursing home a while ago. Man, my congregation in the nursing home's growing. I've been there now a month. I went from two, I got seven now. Hallelujah. I'm growing. I don't have these guys to help. All I got is the hymn book. And we go back with some of these little sisters and we're singing with Mother Pearl and I'm singing with some of these others. And I'm going to tell you, she bellers it out there at the nursing home. We're singing, I'm redeemed. We're singing songs like, How Great Thou Art. We're singing songs like love lifted me. We're singing songs like at the cross. And every one of those little ladies and that gentleman, I got one brother in there can't speak. And all he does is sit there and he taps on the table and he hums. And he hums in better tune than anybody I've ever heard. And he'll sit there and hum every song with me as they bring their worship unto the Lord. We, we got to... We all got a role in this thing. God wants to smell your fragrance. What did you bring? What, what bottle of perfume did you break this morning? What did you break this morning? We talk about the woman with the alabaster box. The woman that God delivered her from what, seven demons. Delivered her from demons. Jesus is in a house and she comes and sits at his feet. Because she remembered who touched her and where she came from. And she brought a very expensive bottle of oil. And she broke that open and began to pour the feet of Je- on the feet of Jesus again. I would to God that Christ Church would have a group of people that would bring their bottle of oil with them again. And when you come in this house, you're ready to pop that top. No matter what it looks like. No matter what it feels like. No matter what it sounds like. And at the feet of Jesus, we're pouring the oil upon him. Until the room is filled with the fragrance. Man, I long for the days that I can smell the fragrances of heaven. Literally here. Had a brother years ago. I know I've told the story here. He was a new believer when I pastored in Paducah when me and Diane first started pastoring. We had a little eight-frame building, two-story, and the bathrooms were in the back down the hall. You had to go downstairs to the restrooms. And my dad put one of those fragrance things that shoots out ever so many minutes. We're in early morning prayer in those days. It's like five in the morning. This guy is a pharmacist, very intelligent dude. I'm up at the front, laying in the floor, crying and praying before God. He's in the back. We prayed for probably an hour or so, and I waited around for others to come in. He came to me, and he said, Pastor, Pastor, I had the most incredible encounter with God this morning. I said, what happened? He said, man, I smelt the fragrance of heaven. I said, what did it smell like? He said, it smelt like sweet spices. It smelt like cinnamon. I said, dude. 
Now, now you gotta, you got to understand something. I knew immediately what it was. But to this day, he doesn't. Because if he thought he was in the presence of God, I wasn't about to rip that out from under him. But I believe that could be as real in here, and it doesn't have to be a can hanging on a wall. I believe there's been times in here where I've been in the presence of God, and here the presence so great, and I've told you this, that I had, I, I just, man, I'm, i got to get out of this. You would think you'd want to stay, but for me, i got to get out of here. I've been in here and I've been in our services and it's been a while and I've seen light shafts flicker into this place. I'm thinking, God, what is that? See, it's just like streaks of light come into the place. And I know it's God. I know it's the angels. I know it's glory being revealed in different ways. Not everybody sees it. Not everybody has to. And I don't know why God reveals it. But more important than seeing is, is to know that it's happening. To know that it's coming up. The next, the next item that God, and I'm, I'm landing the jet right here. The next item, the next piece of furniture is the brazen labor. I'm just giving an order as it's laid out in the scripture of how it failed, not how it was placed in position. But it was the brazen labor. Because that was a like a vat, if I could say it like that. That was filled with water. That was beaten out of something that would reflect like a mirror. That when that priest would, would wash, when he would take and wash his hands or dip into that and look into it, he would see a reflection. And what we're to do at the brazen labor, because that's where we're to come to, is that when we look into that water, we're no really longer seeing our reflection, but we're seeing the reflection of the Lord. That God's looking down upon us and we're seeing, we're, we're seeing Him. We're, we're seeing Him reflected in us. And that leads us when that reflection begins to take place. The next thing that was talked about was the anointing oil. And He said, this is the way you shall make it. Nothing shall be made anything like it. Because we want anointing. And we're coming up, Pastor Val, will you put your hands on me and let me have some of your anointing? It doesn't work that way. But that anointing only comes as we position ourselves properly before God. And as we do, it's the oil that God begins to pour upon us that nothing is like. And that oil rests upon us and God begins to mark us and He begins to smear us and begins to rub us. And now the Bible said as we go, it's the anointing that destroys the yoke and lifts the burden. And the last thing that was talked about was the sweet incense that would come up. Now the incense of the earth is coming up before the Lord because we're functioning and we're moving like God. My question is for you. My time is up. I want you to stay to your feet I wonder if there's somebody in this room this morning I wonder if I've got somebody in this room this morning worship team quickly come back in place I wonder if there's somebody in this room this morning that says pastor I'm willing I'm ready to build a sanctuary for God I'm ready to let him have my life so that he can come and fill it he can come and do in me whatever he chooses and whatever he desires this is how we're going we're gonna to do this altar service. Listen, this thing is personal. 
This thing is an individual. Let those that are willing, let them come. Let them make for me, God says. Let them have the responsibility. That's what the word make there means. And to the greatest degree, let them make me a sanctuary after the pattern. They're going to begin to lift up a song here. They're going to begin to lift up a song. If that's you, in this moment of time that you're willing to say, God, I'm willing to let you, I'm willing to make you a sanctuary that you can dwell in. I'm dedicating my life totally, completely to you. I want you to leave your seat. I want you to begin to make your way to this altar. And I just want you to begin to say, God, here I am. Just begin to feel me. Come on, guys. That's all we're going to do.